Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed the salat in the middle of the day. Because the jahannam is still there waiting. The hellfire is being kindled for preparation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to remember him in the middle of the day because that the peak sun at noon should remind us that there is a hellfire. There's all the heat. So you make salat at dhuhr time as soon as the sun goes beyond its uh, axis. And that is then to ask Allah uh, to do shukr to Allah, connect with him to protect yourself from the hellfire. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Amma ba'd. The previous time we were completing the aphorism, the wisdom, the special saying of Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari number 119 and 120 which is on page 111 for those who have the book. <clears throat> this is what he said. He said, As-salatu tuhratun lil-qulub min adnasi al-dhunub wa istiftahun libabil ghuyub As-salatu mahallun naja' munajat wa ma'dinul musafat tattasi'u fiha mayadinul asrar wa tushriqu fiha shawarikul anwar What that means is that the salat, the namaz, the ritual prayer is a purification for the hearts. That is what happens when you pray well. It's a purification heart, <clears throat> purification for the hearts from impurities of sins. Number two, it is an opening up of the doors of invisible domains. I'll explain that shortly. Then he says, ritual prayer is the place of intimate discourse, intimate conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's a mine, a place where things come out from of reciprocal acts of purity. So when a person prays, it's as if they are mining for many, many different blessings that come from there. Wherein the domains of the innermost being are expanded and the rising gleams of light ray out, which is a bit more complicated. So we explained most of this and we ended with a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that when you start salat and you start Surah Al-Fatiha, <clears throat> One of the reasons why Surah Al-Fatiha has been obligated in pretty much every namaz, every salat, you have to have a Surah Al-Fatiha. In every rak'at, in most rak'ats, you have to have Surah Al-Fatiha. Why this, this surah? Because Surah Al-Fatiha, as I explained last time, when you say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah responds, my servant has, has uh, praised me. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een. And as soon as we get there, we, Allah says, okay, now this, this is between me and my servant. He's no longer, no longer just praising the Lord somewhere. Now he's actually connected with me. And then we say, المستقيم, guide us to the straight path. Allah now understands and clearly you see that as a dua to Allah and Allah wants to respond. So what we should be doing is we should actually be thinking about this, that when we're saying Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, we're thinking of Allah responding to us because it's supposed to be a conversation. So then he says, I mean, I explained all of that last time, but what he then said afterwards is that it's ma'dinul musafat. It is a mine, you know, where you mine things from, of reciprocal acts of purity. That is where it, 
in salat it's a place that helps to purify our hearts our thoughts our ideas our connections to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the benefit of this is that if we can get into the salat the salat is the way allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set up the prayer starting with the intention and the purification and the taharat and the wudu and facing the qibla and everything all of that is for a purpose all of that is supposed to contribute to a focus so if you want a pure conversation with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you can do it in salat probably more so than in any other case unless you go for hajj and you do salat there then so Salat is the time when you can get the most purest connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just the way everything is made up for Salat. Everything plays a part in that. And that's what he said. That's where you're going to have that purity. And that pure connection and communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why there's a famous poet who was um, well known. His name is Ibn al-Farid. He says, وَلَقَدْ خَلَوْتُ مَعَ الْحَبِيبِ وَبَيْنَنَا he says, I had an intimate discourse, a private time with my beloved. Like just imagine the private time with your beloved, finally. Between us was a very, very special secret that was so subtle that nobody else could find out. It was so subtle that it was actually more subtle and beautiful than the dew in the morning. It's just trying to evoke the pleasure of that communication. Nobody else will get it. What we said, what we stated, if they even to hear us, they won't understand it because this is very special. That's why the idea is that if you have a secret language with others, a secret language, secret communication, it means you're very connected. So he's trying to say that this is Allah, that he had his connection. He's not talking about some other beloved. He's obviously speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah also give us some of this and may Allah allow us also to communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at this level of love but obviously for this we have to purify our communication our connection our ikhlas and sincerity first then Allah is there just to give us anyway he just wants an excuse to give us so we remove the clouds and the smoke and the distractions and there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will find the communication there for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from his perspective, because the word he used is musafat. In Arabic, that means to reciprocate. That means for two parties to do something. So we're showing our purity of communication. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will focus on us and give us. He's just ready because he's generous. He's got enough. Do we have the time? La ilaha illallah. That's why there is a narration which says that in the abda idha qama ila salat, when a person stands for prayer, Rafa Allahul hijaba baynahu wa bayna. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes the veil between him and the servant. And he focuses on, on him, gives him his attention. So he gives us his attention. And then, وَقَامَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ مِنْ لَدُنْ مَنْ كِبَيْهِ إِلَى الْهُوِي يُصَلُّونَ بِصَلَاتِهِ And then the angels, they follow suit. فَإِذَا تَمَّتِ التَّصْفِيَةِ Now, if the, pure connect, if the connection is pure, like proper and pure and clean, and the love is immense when you... Because, you know, when you want to speak to your, your lover, 
and you're like, I'm going to, after work, I'm going to call. And you try to call and they're not there. And then eventually you get through. You know, that relief you feel, that pleasure you feel. It's amazing. That is how a believer should feel in salah, that finally I've got to my prayer. So he says, when the, your love increases, and your eagerness, your, your thirst is abundant for that. And you're totally elated and lost in that. You're just into it. That's the only time your ruh and your soul will become entitled to all the veils being lifted and that connection being made. Otherwise, there's a key lock. There's a bad connection. That's when you can finally enter into the congregation of your beloved. So then he says, and this is something experiential, right? He says, You will then come out of, so somebody looking at you, imagine you're in the haram, in Makkah Mukarramah, in the Masjid, in the masjid Al-Haram or Masjid Al-Nabawi. There's somebody praying next to you. You can tell he's focused. All you can tell is his body is focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his ruku and his reading and his focus and his paying attention. But to be honest, if that's a proper prayer, there's a lot more going that you cannot see, that we cannot see. There's a whole spiritual realm of that connection with Allah. He is, he is having an experience. Why would the Prophet stand for so long otherwise? If it was just a, a bit of an exercise, a few rituals, there's a special connection made in there. There's an experience. There are many types of shows that you can go to. The best of the shows are those which are totally immersive, that you forget about everything else and you're just into it as though you're part of the show. This is what it is, that you're part of that communication. If only we can experience it once, we would want to do it over, all over again and again and again. Ya Allah, give it to us at least once. Give us a taster so that we can know. But Allah wants to make us work hard to trust Him, to believe that that is the case. Ya Allah, make it easy for us. Yeah, then he goes into more detail and I don't want to spend too much time. He says, asrar," Which is, it's a complex idea because he is basically saying that after that, it's an open realm. While you're in Salat, you're just there standing, but it's an open realm for you of all of the spiritual experiences that you will have and the enjoyment you will have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just open. That's all I'm going to say. Because he's saying that the only time you can have that experience is that if your soul can be purified from all other distractions, then you can enjoy that salat like that. Now what happens is that a lot of people, they question, they say that I don't really enjoy my salat, so should I even bother praying? I say salat is a journey. Sometimes it could take us our whole life to get there. But it's our training that we continue to pray even though we don't experience it because we're trying to get there. If you're trying to look for water in the ground, you know, in countries where you need wells and you need to bore holes down 20 meters, 30 meters, 40 meters. Sometimes if you're lucky, you find the water very quickly. Otherwise, you have to keep digging. 
and you have to keep trying, then you have to try somewhere else. But eventually, inshallah, you'll hit water. Here, at least, you will definitely hit water because Allah exists and His communication exists. It just takes longer for some people, but you have to keep trying, otherwise you will never get there. Basically, what he's saying is that this type of salat, if we can finally make it, it will take you from this normal state into a very high state. Abu Talib says, not Abu Talib, the uncle is, I think, Abu Talib al-Makki. I think he says that once somebody related to us that a believer, when he makes wudu for salat, so, you know, when we come, we do wudu or from home, then the, as soon as we do salat, the shayateen are supposed to go away from us. If you do a proper wudu, the shayateen scatter from us. They're, they're worried about us because we're going to do prayer. That's why they don't want us to pray. Prayer is very powerful because it gets us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they scatter. Because what you're doing when you're, you know when we're doing wudu, you know what we're doing? We're actually preparing to enter into the court of Allah. That's why we're praying, that's why we're washing ourselves. Because you can't just enter into a court. I just came back from a flight from Glasgow, you know, from the airports. I didn't come here directly, I went to home, I washed up, then I came because, you know, we're coming into a masjid, we're coming to a, a dhikr gathering. So you have to be refreshed for that because there's an adab for this. The more adab we have, the more etiquette we have, inshallah, the more Allah will give us. Then when he says, Allahu Akbar, to start the prayer, Iblis is there's a protection from Iblis that is created for us right so all of this is happening but now it depends on what's happening in our heart you see because shaitan might have gone away but because we're so used to thinking about other things all the time because we're so worried about other things we're so engaged in other things whether that be our business or whether that be our car outside or whether that be the next meeting or whether that be the the messages that might have arrived during these 20 minutes, okay, on WhatsApp or whatever. Do you understand what I mean? It, there's just so much we have distraction for today and it's worse that now that, than it was 50 years ago and than it was ever in history. We have way more distraction than people overall had ever had in history, I would say. Like, I don't know why we're here at this time, why Allah chose us to give us life at this time, subhanAllah. Can you imagine if 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, you think people were ever this distracted? Had this many distractions so easily? Just this one phone has made majority of people that much more distracted. Okay? Wallahu alam. I know it's more difficult, but you know, Allah's rewards are, inshallah, greater when it's more difficult. So that's what we can hope for, inshallah. So then he says that there's a, a veil between him and Iblis. But then what happens is, when a person says, Allahu Akbar, an angel looks in our heart. Now, if they genuinely find somebody, they find that there is, what does Allahu Akbar mean? Allah is the greatest. So the angel is going to look to see whether that is a reality in our heart. Is Allah the greatest in our heart? Or is there something greater that we're thinking about? Because that means if we're thinking about something else, although we've said Allahu Akbar, we actually mean somebody. We actually have something else which is greater in our heart because now we're thinking about that. So then, if they do find that, yes, mashallah, the person does have Allah in their heart and he is the greatest thing right now he's focused on, the angel will say, Sadaqt, Allahu akbaru fi qalbik, kama taqul. You are absolutely right, Allah is the greatest one in your heart, just as you're saying, you're right. So then he says, that's when 
the light opens up everything up to the heavens and the person starts having that special communication experience. He says that the secrets of the heavens and the earth can open up to him during this time. Now, this is something you can deny if you want to because you've never experienced it. I've never experienced this. So why should I believe this? But it's an experiential idea. If you've not been on the ride, you can't say how bad or good it is. No, it can't be that good. No, brother, it's a really good ride. The food is really good there in that restaurant, you know, or whatever else it is that uh, makes you tick, right? Somebody's got a really nice car and it goes really fast. You're like, no, man, no, my car's better. Well, try it out first. Then you can compare. Then he says that if it's a ghafil jahil, a heedless, ignorant person, he stands for wudu. The shayateen, they actually come just as if there's some honey that is being placed somewhere. They come and they start attacking the person. Meaning they just hover around. Because they know that they can't let this guy pray. When he says Allahu Akbar, the angel then comes as usual to check. Is Allah really Akbar in our hearts more than anything else? When he finds out he's got so many other things in his heart. Rather than Allah, he said Allahu Akbar, but there's so many other things. He says, you're a liar. Allah is not greatest in your heart as you say. So then he says that there's actually a smoke, a cloud that appears that essentially prevents him from thinking higher, from connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that level. And then shaitan gets, gets a full joy out of this. And then you get waswasas and you get all sorts of problems in the salat. And there's no, there's no basically it's all distracted prayer about everything else besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illallah. So that was essentially the, the end of that one. I tried to explain it in the simplest way, although I think it's a lot more deeper than that if somebody was to experience this, which is very difficult to explain. But really, I think in layman's language, this is the simplest thing, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that. Now the next uh, point here is, the, the next one is uh, 120, it's on page 113 of the of the book. It's a very simple one. He says, This is Ibn Atta'illah al Iskandari. He says, Alima wujuda da'fi mink, Fakalla a'da daha, Wa alimahtiyajak ila fadlihi, Fakathara amda daha. Now that's really interesting. What he says, He knew of the existence of weakness in you. So he made the number of ritual prayers small. He knew we're weak, so he only made it five prayers a day. And he knew of your need for his grace though. He knew you're weak, so you can't do that much. But he knows that you need a lot of grace. So he multiplied their fruitful rewards and results for you. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kindness and compassion and his benevolence. So what is he saying here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows we're weak. We're not that strong to do worship, even though that's what he created us for. He knows we have issues. So he says, okay, fine. I'm just going to make it five prayers. That's why the whole story happened with Musa alayhi salam and the Prophet during the Mi'raj. It was supposed to be 50. Alhamdulillah, it's only five. So, Ayyuhal Insan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has... Despite the fact that you could do so many more prayers during the day, there's physically this time, isn't there, to do a lot more prayers. But he's only made it five times a day. 
And then he's chosen the five times are very strategic points of the day. The, every salat is placed in a very strategic point. Like if we've not thought about that. Of course, some of them we clearly understand. And we can see with clarity what the purpose of that prayer is at that time. But this is uh, the way Ibn Ajiba explains it. He says that, so he made one salat necessary for you as the night ends, as the darkness dissip- is dissipating and the light is about to come. I know that happens about 4 o'clock, right? Or 1.15 in England, which is a weird place to be for that, right? When you go closer to the equator, you know, and India, Pakistan, other places, a lot more balanced timing. We go through some major fluctuations throughout the year, but whatever that is, because at the end of the day, we can't escape the night and day. Even if our sleeping patterns are the same, there is a night and day, the sun and the moon, they play, have a very special uh, uh, they have a very special influence and effect on human beings. Okay? I don't know if there's any studies that have been done on this in terms of when sunrise is and when sunset is and how that makes people differ. There are some in terms of places where they have extreme you know, winters and extreme summers in terms of northern latitude places where they have you know, two, three months of just pure sun and you know, no, no sunset or just complete light like in northern Norway and other places and the, how that affects people and the, 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 the clock, their natural clocks and everything is not a time to get into all of that but the point is that whenever it is at the end of the day we have to make Fajr right? if that's early or if that's later so our times fluctuate and the reason we do that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after a night of sleep, of negligence because sleep is negligence at the end of the day sleep is like death it's an inactive moment. It's an inactive time. Okay? It's necessary for us to have some of it, but it's an inactive time. We've been devoid of any dhikr of Allah at that time. So Allah says, wake up and do salat. You can basically express your thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the, just before the day begins, at the end of your night of negligence. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed the salat in the middle of the day. Because... The Jahannam is still there waiting. The hellfire is being kindled for preparation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to remember him in the middle of the day because that the peak sun at noon should remind us that there is a hellfire. There's all the heat. So you make salat at dhuhr time as soon as the sun goes beyond its uh, axis. And that is then to ask Allah uh, to do shukr to Allah, connect with him to protect yourself from the hellfire. Thereafter that, as you get towards the end of the day when the sun is about to, before the sun sets, when it's gone to the west and it's going to incline further, this is your asr time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to bear witness again. Towards the end of the day, He wants you to bear witness again and He wants to see that you testify to Him and you connect with Him at that time. And also at that time is when the angels are coming down to the earth to change their uh, the Asr time is the time when the angels of the day are departing, the angels of night are going to come and so on. So Allah wants the angels to see you pray, to see his slaves pray to him. Right? That's what we are, we are doing. Thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligates another prayer to, for us when the day ends and the night begins just as he did so at the beginning of the day. This is so that you welcome the night, you enter into night in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, it's a protection from you from all the evils that come about at night. So you start your evening, your night with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
it's supposed to protect you from a lot of the evil possibilities of the nighttime. And it's also to attract all the great bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers at night. Remember, um, people make mischief at the beginning of the night, but by 2-3 o'clock they're gone. And then the people of Tahajjud rise. And the reason why that's a very special time is because by that time, the mischief makers of the night have gone and the mischief makers of the day have not woken up yet. That is the purest time. Right? Thereafter that, uh, when you want to sleep, so after your sunset, after that when you're intending to eventually go to sleep and retire for the day, Allah does not want you to be distracted before you sleep, so He makes Isha necessary for you. So there's an Isha prayer before you go to sleep. I know nowadays all of this has been so messed up, but in history, people generally stepped off the Isha because there were no artificial lighting systems. You had to sleep, otherwise you'd have to have a little lamp and do something with that. You'd rather wake, wake, go to sleep early, wake up early in the morning and benefit from the, the day. But because of our artificial lights, a lot of people are basically doing other things at night time and the whole system is in place. That's why I said, I don't know why we're here in this time. What Allah has in store for us, Allah make it easy for us. So the point is that your last moments then is you're with your Isha prayer, is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated these five prayers so that they're in strategic points of the day. Why? Because Allah is chaining us to Him. He wants us to come to Him. That's why there's a hadith which says, عَجِبَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ قَوْمٍ يُسَاقُونَ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ بِالسَّلَاسِلِ your Lord is amazed by a people who are going to be driven to Jannah in chains, meaning chained to go to Jannah. This is because Allah has obligated these things to force us to go to Jannah. That's what Allah wants us, unless you want to resist. Then after that, He says that, okay, because Allah has now decreased the amount, but that's not enough. Because you need to do a lot more to get to the highest places where Allah wants you to go in Jannat. But with five prayers, you can't do that. If it was just purely five prayers and five rewards. So then he says, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew your need for His grace, He increased the bounties and the blessings from even the five prayers. You do five prayers properly, and subhanAllah, look what you get. So what he means by the imdad here, he calls it imdad, which means the extended supply and additional bounties. He says all the rewards that you would get on it. So for example, at the basic equation, for every prayer you get 10 times the reward. That's five goes to 50. In fact, in the hadith, where the, you've got the discussion of Musa with the Prophet ﷺ trying to decrease the prayers from 50, 45, 40 and so on. At the end, when Allah says, okay, it's five, but you'll get the reward of 50. So there's a hadith that has that as well. So it's five prayers, you get 50 rewards. So it's five prayers physically, but there's 50 rewards in terms of the substance that you get from it, meaning the reward. Now, on top of that now, if you do it in jama'ah, in the masjid, then you get, for every prayer, you get 25 times the reward as the base reward. And remember, every worship we do is multiplied 10 times. So it's actually, he says, 25 times 10, which is actually 250 as the bonus. 25 is the basic rule, and you want to go with the 27, that's 270 then. Okay? For every prayer. He says, فَكَانَ عَدَدُ صَلَاةِ الْجَمَاعَةِ مِئَتَيْنِ وَخَمْسِينَ فِي كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ 
Wallahu dhu fadlin azim. That's 250 rewards, multiplied bonus rewards. Thereafter that, depending on how big the jama'ah is, you get more reward for that. A bigger jama'ah, you get more reward. Because Allah gets more, Allah is even more generous. Then, on top of that, depending on your own presence, your own fear and reverence, your own distraction-free attention, then there's even more. And for that, Allah says, فَلَا تَعْلَمُ نَفْسٌ مَا أُخْفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ قُرَّةِ عَيُّنْ جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ No nafs, nobody knows that which Allah has kept concealed for them of things that will gladden their eyes. So that we don't even know how much we're going to get for that. Just the more you do, the more you will get. جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ As a reward and compensation for what they used to do. There are these prayers in specific places, you get more reward. So for example, if you do the salat in Baytullah, uh, in, in Masjid Al-Haram, in Masjid Al-Nabawi, in Baytul Maqdis, then you get extra reward. You know there is 100,000 and, 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 and so on. Then after that, there also is another thing that it depends on who you're praying behind. The more your righteous your imam is, the greater your reward. وَبِقَدْرِ رُتْبَةِ imam. He says, مَنْ خَلْفَ If you can get your salat behind somebody who's already been forgiven, then you will be forgiven. So choose the best imam for that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So, that's, this is the way Shaykh Abdullah Gungu, he explains this. He says, on the night of the Prophet's ascension to the heavens, the Mi'raj, 50 daily ritual prayers were initially made obligatory. Upon the repeated request of the Messenger of Allah the number was reduced to five. The reduction was granted on account of our weakness and our inability to perform 50 daily prayers steadfastly. Since man is in need of Allah's grace, the reward of 50 prayers was retained. And then after that, there's just no limit to how much more you can attain in that and the closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you can gain in that. There's a, just finish off with a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa where one sahabi, he did something for the Prophet sallallahu He did a certain task that the Prophet sallallahu needed. And so the Prophet said, okay, ask me whatever you want. What can I give you? So he said, مُرَافَقَتَكَ فِي الْجَنَّةِ I want to be in your company in Jannah. So the Prophet said, something else. Yeah. Make it something else because that would be easier. He said, no, that's what I want. So the Prophet said, okay, if you want that, then you need to help me. You need to help me get you to that status, which is by doing lots of sujood, by prayer. So prayer is very, I know we do it every day, so it becomes like a, just a prayer. But that's why I say that it takes a whole life to get the prayer right. Every day is a new training until we get it right. And hopefully we can get it right before we die. But actually much earlier than when we die so that we can really, inshallah, get... I mean, as we get older, subhanAllah, you're just thinking, okay, your days are getting older. The days are getting busier though of the world. That's the problem. You get more children. You get more acquaintances. You start knowing more people. You get more busy. That's a weird thing because that's dunya, dunya, dunya. It may be obligatory. But how do you then free yourself to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because that's what we need. That's where we're eventually going to go. It's a difficult balance, but it's easy for, 
for those whom Allah makes it easy for. May Allah make it easy for us. We should always ask Allah for ease towards Him and make an effort to do more. May Allah give us the tawfiq and may Allah accept uh, these sessions and those who make these sessions possible as well. And mashallah, Allah bless the people of this masjid and the imams and everything sitting in this nice, very cool, uh, mashallah, environment in this hot day outside. Something to thank Allah for. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك في هذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم رحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين وهذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وهدنا ورزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات المؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا الله يوماسي يا الله يوماسي we ask you for your benevolence your kindness your special attention oh Allah we ask you for your forgiveness we ask you to purify us oh Allah we have done many many wrongs we have been heedless for for too long, we have been distracted, we have been engaged. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we have been engrossed in many other things. We've been obsessed with other things. We've been totally, totally diverted from you. Oh Allah, we ask you to turn us back to you, to make this easy for us. Ya Allah, we wake up in the morning, oh Allah, and we have full intention to turn to you. But by the evening, we have lost and we have distracted. We try this in the evening, but by the morning we are lost. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we are tired of fighting against the shaitan. We are ty- tired of and weary from fighting against all of these distractions. Oh Allah, you have placed us here in this time. Oh Allah, you give us the needed fortitude and strength to keep our focus. Oh Allah, whatever you deem easy will become easy. Oh Allah, for you, it's just the decision. For us, it's difficult work. But, O oh Allah, grab us by the forelocks and enter us into paradise. O oh Allah, write us of those who are freed from hellfire. Write us of those who are considered your friends. Write us among those who long to meet you in the hereafter and you long to meet them. O oh Allah, make us of those whose final days are the best of their days. O oh Allah, make us of those who will have the best experience when they stand in front of you, those who will be in the shade, in your shade of your throne on the day of judgment, those whom will be among the 70,000 that you will allow to enter into paradise without any questioning or reckoning, those whom will be in Jannatul Firdaus in the highest chambers of the highest paradise and gardens, those will be in the company of your messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the prophets, the champions of truth, the martyrs, O oh Allah, make us of the good people. Make us of those who you have blessed in every way. O oh Allah, you have blessed us in many ways. You have given us so much worldly prosperity. You have given us more than so many others in this world. O oh Allah, you have given us so much more than so many others in the world. Others who are suffering under oppression, in insecure situations, with bad health. O oh Allah, you have given us. But O oh Allah, do not allow us to use this very blessing and bounty in your disobedience. 
don't make this a source of fitna and mischief for us. Oh Allah, allow us to be what your Prophet said, that how wonderful is pure wealth in the hands of wonderful uh, of righteous people. Oh Allah, make us of those who serve your faith in some way or the other. You know, oh Allah, you know the abundant ways. Everything is in your possession, in your hands, and in your control. Accept us all. Oh Allah, accept us all. And the little that we can do, our sitting here on this Sunday, oh Allah, accept it from us. At the end of the day, you brought us here. We could not have been here without you. So Allah, we take this that you want to bless us and you want to accept from us. Do not allow anybody to turn away from this gathering without being forgiven, without being written as connected to you. And oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you grant us you grant us success in our main worship, which is our salat, and in all of our other worships, that you allow us to communicate with you and enjoy that communication while we're in salat. Oh Allah, we will do this salat even if we don't feel it, because that's our requirement. That's what we are slaves. But oh Allah, it would be made so easy if we can gain the halawat al-iman and the sweetness of faith. Oh Allah, oh Allah, these are sinful people. These are these are sinful. Uh, uh, th these pleas are coming from uh, a position of people uh, of a person who commits sins but oh Allah your your gratitude your your greatness your Allah your greatness and your benevolence knows no bound this is what we are expecting from you oh Allah accept from all of us here oh Allah accept from all of us and allow us to continue to be those who will remember you and those who will thank you and those who will have gratitude to you and protect our children and our families and our progenies until the day of judgment from all the evils and difficulties which are out there subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind, you can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.